TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on News Radio 1120 KMOX. Welcome in, welcome in as the deadline ticks down to Thursday, Amazon and the second headquarters. People got to get their homework in. And you know what? <laughs> I, uh, we were talking a little before the show. I think this Amazon search has become our new Uber conversation. It really is. Yeah. At least there's a deadline here, so that once the applications are in, let's just let's let's move on. We'll see, we'll see what develops <laughs> out of it, but there's plenty else to get to. But the deadline's not here yet. That's right. And all of these cities, basically every city that's over a million people, every metro area that's more than a million people in North America, so don't know what the incentives are going to be, though. Are they going to propose renaming the Mississippi to the Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> One famous river and another famous river right. coming together, right? Yeah, it's a great confluence. Oh, boy. That's <laughs> what we do here. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Amazon. But on a more serious note, uh, we're going to talk to a startup out of Puerto Rico that has some roots in St. Louis that, as we know, a lot of uh, folks in Puerto Rico are going through a tough time following the hurricanes. And this is a startup that's looking to reach out to a global uh, entrepreneurial community for some support, uh, space and housing and uh, and just overall support. And so we'll talk to, to that team. Yeah, that's a great story. You're going to want to stick around to hear that conversation. And then we're also going to take you to Purina, where they're holding a hackathon this weekend. It's just a, a couple of hours from ending on this Sunday. And so we'll get the scoop on how do you, how do you hack pets? What? Huh? How do you create an environment that's more pet friendly? How do you create a city that's more pet friendly? So we'll cover, let's see, we've got Purina. We've got startups in Puerto Rico who need our help. And we've got the search for Amazon's second headquarters. That's so we, all so coming up. Purina, pets, and packages. There you go. Three Ps in a show. <laughs> and it's all just ahead on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Finally. 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 Download the all-new Radio.com app and listen to KMOX anytime, anywhere. Download it today for free. Welcome back. Nothing Impossible. KMOX. Michael Calhoun, Travis Sheridan with you. And let's talk Puerto Rico and the current situation there. And a tech startup that needs our help here in St. Louis. And it has some roots in St. Louis, which, it, you know, it's nice to be able to, uh, as we look across the globe and see that there are challenges everywhere, it's nice to use this ecosystem that we've created here in St. Louis uh, to help our brothers and sisters in other parts of, of the planet. Yeah, so let's bring in, let's turn on Skype here, and you can hear what's going on in the background. We've got a few people dialed in. And Jonathan Kotoff, let's start with you. You're the founder and CEO, I believe, of... Migo IQ. Yes, hey, thank you so much for having us. Um, yeah, I founded uh, Migo IQ back in 2014 in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, I'm originally from St. Louis, uh, but after being active in the St. Louis, Chicago, New York, and San Francisco startup ecosystems, I was very, very much attracted um, to the talent that is so untapped in Puerto Rico. And I say that, I say that as a guy not from there. Um, who came down and discovered there's this incredible ecosystem of startups that are doing great work, that are serving the mainland and the world. 
and also this incredible university that has three major co companies that you guys will recognize recruiting out of the University of Puerto Rico, Mayaguez, their engineering department. 85% of their students end up at either NASA, Google, or Boeing. And most of those students don't want to leave the incredible island. And yeah, it's beautiful, and I've, it's become my home. But the reason it's so beautiful is not just the tropical beaches. It's the incredible people like the staff that I'm about to introduce you to. So Orban, um, could you introduce yourself? He's doing project management for the MIGO IQ staff. And Tanya, who's in charge of UX, could you both introduce yourselves, please? Yeah, hello. So I'm Orban Mendoza, and I do consulting work and project management here in the island, and um, I work for MIGOIQ at the moment. Uh, same, I'm Tania Gonzalez. I'm the creative director of Skyrocket, uh, also working for MIGOIQ right now. Um, I handle everything that's visual, UI, UX, you name it. Can and you just guys, to, yeah, can just you guys tell us a little, yeah, tell um, us a little about the company. We are an AI platform um, that, serves, that serves retail, hospitality, environments and basically we are able to track down to a square centimeter exactly where a person is standing in a brick and mortar environment and we're able to map what you're looking at individual products on any shelf and make recommendations with an over 92 percent accuracy of probability of your interest and what does that mean that means that retailers every time they have our app installed are seeing an increase of a minimum of 23 percent in revenue Awesome. And where, where are you guys, uh, each of you right now? I, I know you're in different locations. We've got you all dialed in via Skype. Uh, where is everybody? And, and also, what is the situation on the island right now? Yeah, so I'll go first. Um, I got out of Puerto Rico. I live in Rincon, uh, which is on the west coast of Puerto Rico. A week and a half ago, I had to take a boat uh, from the Dominican Republic to get my family out. I'm currently couch surfing in Detroit and jumping between St. Louis and Miami as we get try to get our staff out. Um, Orban uh, and Tanya are currently in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And Al, you are currently in... South St. Louis. <laughs> I'm the St. Louis component. <laughs> Tanya and Orban, how are things on the island right now? I, I heard a little bit from Jonathan yesterday in terms of uh, the availability of electricity and water and food and even access to the bank and money. Uh, what is the situation there right now? Well, yeah, so right now, um, specifically around all the island, there's very uh, around less than 20% electricity. Uh, there's also a lack of drinking and potable water for people around the island, especially in the rural areas. Um, and medical needs around the island also. Uh, we're lucky to be in the metropolitan area right now where at least some places have um, electricity and we can keep working on some hotspots that have been put around the island. But we have no electricity in our house. Um, some of us don't even have water. So we're trying to make things uh, work out between uh, us helping each other so, and helping the island also. And what kind of things have you seen from uh, the, the greater startup community, um, not just in St. Louis, but as you've been reaching out? And I know that you've been, been re reaching out to different cities and different uh, startup hubs to try to find support, uh, you know, space for your teams to work, places, uh, temporary places for those families to live. What's that response been like? Uh, a lot of people are moving towards uh, the metropolitan area because it's uh, within all this instability, right? Uh, this is the area that mostly has electricity or internet. So most of the startups are moving, uh, at least in Puerto Rico, 
towards the metro area, trying to keep working. Exactly. So at the moment, it's been like a wake up for everybody that if we don't work together, nothing's gonna gonna end well end well for everybody. So, um, for example, where we have our office, they open the space for anybody who wants to work here because they have electricity and they have internet, and many, many, uh, very, very few places have internet at the moment. So over here, they open up free of charge. Anybody who wants to work here at Engine 4 um, in Bayamon, they can come here, work out from here and keep their business going. Because as we know, small businesses is what maintain most of the economy here in Puerto Rico. And Jonathan, you want to make sure that even though you've got to find a temporary space or maybe spaces, plural, uh, in the meantime, while things get back to normal and, and, and become safe on the, the island, you don't want to leave completely. You want to make sure that you uh, you do return and your employees and the company returns. That's correct. So there's a history, a long history. There's a bunch of tax benefit benefits that Congress and Puerto Rico have made available to bring major corporations, um, pharmaceuticals, tech, et cetera, to Puerto Rico. But there's a history of mainlanders like myself coming into the island, taking advantage of the talent and the tax benefits. But when either the economy turns or now in this case, this drastic uh, devastation, abandoning the island and not returning, we're not going to do that. Um, we're committed to the people of Puerto Rico. I, the, when I first landed there, I've been there for over two and a half years now. The quote I like to say is, I hope to be buried on the island. I just hope it's many years in the future. We, we're committed We are committed to staying a Puerto Rican company um, and keeping our staff in Puerto Rico. So right now, right now they're working out of another location while they ha- have internet. We're trying to bridge whatever we can. Our office, uh, the actual headquarters at Piloto 151 is not active at all, has no power, et cetera. We are looking to relocate as much of our staff as we can get out to um, the mainland, wherever we can, co-working spaces. There's looks like we have some energy in St. Louis, my hometown, um, and also in Miami and other locations. But the goal is to get us off temporarily so that we can keep our Puerto Rican families working until Puerto Rico starts to work again and then get back as soon as possible so that we can continue to bring jobs to the island. You know, I think what a lot of people uh, don't realize, we, we think about small businesses, we think about startups, and yes, they face some challenges. Maybe there's a dip in the market or uh, the, the changes in the economy might impact them, uh, or there's a shortage of workforce. Uh, but I think very few plan for a natural disaster like that's hit Puerto Rico. And I'm, I'm glad to see that the, there are others in the greater global ecosystem that are stepping in to support uh, and that we get to hear a little bit of the story of the company and, and what you all are doing, Jonathan. Thank you. Well, and in my, I have to say, our team here, and this is just a couple of our team. There's some great people. They've been incredible, and you know, it's interesting you say that. We actually had an SOP for different sorts of disasters, but nothing that we planned for allowed us to plan for things like we can't get a hold of anyone at our very, very multi-large, multi-billion-dollar bank that we're required by law to operate under. Um, so. It's it's just incredible the amount of stress that a startup is, and, and you know, on this call we have multiple people who have done multiple startups. Startups are always a challenge as is. Mm-hmm. You add this in, but what I will say is, of all the different places I've worked and done startups, Hong Kong, Shenzhen, Chicago, New York, I've never met anybody like Puerto Ricans who is ready to take on a fight and is committed to each other 
as the family that we've joined there in Puerto Rico. And it's so good to be connecting again with my roots in St. Louis and seeing that support um, that, you know, it's, we're not competing. We're all a family. We're appealing to the fraternity of startups and entrepreneurs, and we love it, and we're thankful. Well, Jonathan, thank you for uh, emailing us at KMOX and glad that things are happening in St. Louis, and hopefully you'll come to some sort of a solution uh, and, and get, get people into a safe environment and a productive environment. And you're, because you're not just looking for space, uh, there's airfare and there are other costs too, and you're raising, you're raising money, right? Yes, we are. So uh, thank you for mentioning that. Um, we, any support we can get, we're going to use to keep, get, help get um, the families out of Puerto Rico, allow them to maintain dual ho- households. It's, it's really funny. All of us have landlords that are asking for rent, even though we can't access our banks. So we're, we need to maintain two households in order to keep these jobs in Puerto Rico. So if anybody is willing, um, we're very grateful. If you can go to GoFundMe.com slash keep Puerto Rico working. And everybody asks, Puerto Rico is spelled P-U-E-R-T-O-R-I-C-O. Keep Puerto Rico working. We appreciate it. All right, so let's keep Puerto Rico working. Jonathan and the team, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I don't want to sound glib when I say our thoughts and our prayers are with you. We, we I think the startup community really does lean on each other, uh, knowing that uh, it's not about competition. It really is about collaboration. So we look forward to continuing to support what you all are doing uh, and seeing much success for the company and for Puerto Rico going forward. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys very much. And of course, we'll continue to follow Migo IQ. And coming up next, we'll follow up with uh, another St. Louis company uh, holding a hackathon. And this one uh, might have some meows and woofs involved. We'll talk about that up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. And now, back to Nothing Impossible. Once again, Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan on KMOX. Life is just better with pets, right? I got. I love my two cats. Yeah. Lucy the dog. You love Lucy. Yep. You love Lucy. (laughs) I do love Lucy. Absolutely. Well, this weekend, Purina is helping us uh, be better with pets. It's a pet-centered hackathon. And joining us on the line to uh, tell us all about it, give us the scoop, is Gary Etheridge, the Director of Design for Purina's Innovation Group. Uh, Thank you for joining us on KMOX. Hi. No no problem at all. I'm I'm pleased to be here, and, and thanks for sort of having us on. So uh, most people think about hackathons and they're thinking about developing a new app or something like that. Uh, what's, what's the premise behind uh, this hacking with, for pets? That's a great question. I think, um, you know, 10 weeks ago, we didn't really know what a hackathon was. So this is very new for us. Um, but we've learned a lot about them. And I think over the course of that kind of journey, we've realized that they've, there's a, obviously there's a huge element of technology to them, but there's more of a kind of a social element too to this one. Um, so what we've been trying to do is really bring the community together um, and, and in so doing, leveraging technology to kind of do that and bring people and pets together within that community. So I think we're really excited to see what happens. I think we're passionate about innovation here at Purina. Um, we are passionate about pets. And I think when you bring those two things together, and especially through the lens of um, technology, I think it's going to be really, really fantastic. How do you define a pet-friendly city? And would you say St. Louis is one of the more pet-friendly cities out there? That's a really, really great question. Um, I think we are still trying to figure that one out too. I think there's a lot of work that's going to come um, post-hackathon in terms of helping define what a pet-friendly city is. I think St. Louis is already off to a great start. We've got some fantastic businesses out there that are pet-friendly. I think the big challenge is how we connect them in meaningful ways and bring them together. 
Um, we, in the conversations I've had with a lot of those businesses today, I think they're all working to try and make the city more pet-friendly within themselves and within their context. Um, but, you know, I think having more dog parks that are pet-friendly, more businesses that support pets at work, um, we've got big, big um, initiatives under, underway too after the hackathon around um, making our workplaces in St. Louis, St. Louis more pet-friendly too. And there's a lot of stuff going off. I think it's just the big thing is just how we connect it. Well, Gary, I think sometimes people, when they think of hackathons or even when they think of innovative uh, innovation, they, they often, their mind goes to startups first. Uh, but, yeah. you know, a company the size of Purina wouldn't be successful if it didn't constantly innovate. Can you give us a little bit of an insight as to the, the innovation culture there at Purina? It's great. It's, um, you know, it started at least, well, it's, we've always had a really strong culture of innovation, but I think it started with Ernest over seven years ago when we formed the innovation team. Um, I work on that team now, and the team's a multifunctional team made up of people from marketing, from legal, from um, engineering and manufacturing, and, and a really a broad spectrum of people. And I think we come together and we work together, and there's no kind of roles or titles that get in the way. It's one big team, and we, we focus on solving consumer needs. So we, we put the consumers first um, and stop, start to ask the question, what do these people really want? Why, why would they care about something? What's the kind of value that they're looking for? Um, and then we spend time innovating around that um, rather than just innovating for the sake of doing it and hoping that they like it later on down the line. So put, we put consumers first. We're looking for that. We, we kind of focus on their needs, states, and problems. Um, and then from there, we start to develop and incubate ideas, very much like a small startup. Um, we've, we've, done, we've got a product, in fact, out on the farmer's market, um, Tower Grove, we've had for the last two weeks. Hmm. But, um, but that gives you an idea of the kind of stuff we're doing. So I think it's just... Trying new things, trying it, getting it in the in the front of consumers' faces so they can use it and see it, um, and and really just kind of thinking about what they want and, and all that stuff. And the nice thing about a hackathon is it's uh, it it it, re, it re, takes you off the campus or just the brains from the campus and brings new brains and new thoughts and new perspectives into uh, solving some of these problems. It, it does, and I think the key the key thing is for us, you know, is, is to spend time thinking about consumers and how we can make their lives better. Um, together and how better for the pets and better for them and, and basically better together. I think that's kind of the thing we're looking for and that, that's why we've called it better with pets. I think it's just when you when you have a life and you have it with your pets, it, it's just a, it's a, a better place to be and, and a better sort of feeling. I agree with that. Gary Etheridge, Director of Design for Purina's Innovation Group. Thank you for joining us on KMOX. Thank you very much for having us on. Take care. Coming up next, we're going to go inside the bids for Amazon, not just St. Louis's bids, but the scramble across the country. We'll go to Seattle and check in with a Bloomberg News reporter. That's up next on Nothing Impossible on KMOX. And now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Welcome back in Nothing Impossible. Michael Calhoun with Travis Sheridan, president of the Venture Cafe Global Institute on KMOX. Always fun to be here. This is a, you know what we've been doing? It's no, it's almost November. This is coming up on our third year doing the show. And every week we uh, fill an hour with local tech and innovation. And global tech and innovation. We're about to right here. Let's bring in a Bloomberg News reporter to talk about... Uh, the scramble for Amazon. Karen Weiss, thank you so much for joining us on KMOX. Sure, happy to be here. So uh, you wrote an article recently uh, that used the words to, the words sadistic frenzy <laughs> as it, as it, re, as it <laughs> describes what's going on across North America right now. Uh, it, in your years of reporting, have you seen anything else like this? Other than no, an, I mean, an Olympic Amazon, bid? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, Olympics are the closest parallel that I've heard of for hmm. this Amazon search for its second headquarters. 
um, is just it's very unusual to have a public search like this, let alone one for a headquarters. A lot of the um, a lot of the kind of economic development work is often around with Amazon, at least, or tech firms is around like um, distribution facilities or data centers. But a headquarters is like a big prize. And Amazon's an enormous, growing, dynamic company. So people are just falling over themselves to try to attack, attract them. Yeah, we just heard this week about all of those tax incentives thrown Amazon's way for the warehouses, the web of warehouses across the country. Mm-hmm. But it is not often, even when, for instance, GE moved from Connecticut to Boston, there were some rumblings in a few cities seemed to have the inside track to try to woo GE, but they didn't send out like a nationwide RFP and said, hey, if you've got more than a million people and you're in North America, give it a shot. Here are the guidelines. Right. Like that just doesn't seem like it ever happens. It's no, it definitely doesn't. When Boeing was looking for new headquarters, um, it was, I forget when it was, more than a decade ago, I believe. Um, they were had been based in Washington State and they kind of publicly selected three cities. I believe it was Chicago, I want to say uh, Houston and Denver. It may have been Dallas. Ah, I forget. And um, and that was unique in that it was public and was a headquarters search. Um, and they ended up in Chicago. And but that was kind of this weird public uh, spectacle. Reporters would like chase the tail numbers of the corporate jet when it was flying to different <laughs> places and trying to read into things. Um, and there's definitely, I would say, with this, a suspicion that, that everyone tells me, and I'm, I have not confirmed this. This is just a sense people are saying, are we being played? Like, do they actually have a decision made already? What's going on here? Because it is such a weird and un, unusual thing to happen. Everyone's like, Amazon's this crazy data-driven company. Why are they doing this? And Amazon says, we are really looking, come surprise us. We are coming here with an open mind. Um, At the same time, uh, kind of, they do have an in-house team that does economic development and crunches numbers on their own. So um, I think we have to assume that they've done at least some scouting on their own before this. Well, yeah, they have data, right? It's, they're not they're not data poor. Uh, <laughs> the amount of earned media that they're getting <laughs> as a result oh, yeah. as a result of this this bid, uh, even if they already knew that they're just moving across the street in Seattle, like was that was ultimately going to be their decision. Uh, it's a brilliant way to just get some buzz, a lot of buzz about the city and have people brag about how awesome you are because that's all everybody's talking about is this is why Amazon deserves to be in our city. And so you have people from the from a brand affinity standpoint. Uh, it's, it, it seems like it could be somewhat of a, uh, a, a I don't know, a, a strategic move on their part. There, I mean, one of the things that's come up a lot in this is for headquarters in particular, you really need a really specific type of workforce. And that is what is driving this. They say they want to hire up to 50,000 people in their new headquarters. And you know, no place has 50,000 computer scientists just like waiting to be hired. You know, th- th- these are professions that are already really in high demand. So Amazon, the requirements of what they will need to be able to either build, retain, and then attract that type of headquarters level talent is is there's not all that many places in the country that can you, that can do it and we're seeing so many places put in for the bid um, and some of it is just you know we talked with local development folks who are underdogs in this or long shots and some of them say no no we're not a long shot we totally think we look at this list and 
skip count us in. And other places say, yeah, we're an underdog. But if nothing else, this was a, a useful process internally to kind of figure out how to best pitch ourselves for this type of um, project. Or we now have our materials together for future things. Or or maybe we get press from someone else. Or maybe we get a, you know, maybe we don't get the headquarters from Amazon, but at least we're on their radar now for the next fulfillment center or whatever it may be. And Amazon is definitely kind of supporting this come what come one come all um, approach. I mean, there was just uh, this week, one of the executives at a panel in Seattle was saying, you know, basically we can't attract enough people to the Pacific Northwest and we're probably going to have to look elsewhere. And then Amazon had to walk back that statement and Mm -hmm. say, no, 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 we're really, we're really happy to look at all bids from the Pacific Northwest. So um, there's a little bit of a dance of, of local officials playing into this and Amazon kind of supporting this frenzy. So I would guess you'd probably put, uh, Tacoma and Portland in the long shot, the long shot group. <laughs> it does not uh, it won't necessarily increase your ability to attract a different set of people, I would so, say. So who would you put into that long shot group, some of the cities that really just uh, don't necessarily meet the criteria? And then who are the, the who are the headliners? Who are the people who there might be some agreement that that this group is the most likely? I mean, if, if you're looking at it straight from a talent perspective, which is one of the dominant things, obviously tax incentives will be part of this because um, that's just the way this game is played now. But really starting with talent, um, you you need a city that has a robust, um, uh, they, they talk about in their RFP, a robust university life and, and, and having kind of top tier research institutions. You want connectivity. So something like, you know, the airports might be important. And each city has pros and cons. So if you look at something like Pittsburgh, let's say, Pittsburgh has a really strong academic and tech kind of core tech world there, but their airport isn't as strong. Um, Something like Atlanta has an amazing airport. It has has Georgia Tech and some other universities nearby, but it's... um, it's uh, it's also doesn't have as much transit as they say they want. So it'll be interesting to see. There's there's kind of different kind of tiers of city and size and ambition. So you have the kind of Atlanta, Chicago size cities that have a chance, and you also have another tier that's kind of below that, but that is ambitious, like uh, you know, Denver or um, or Pittsburgh that are trying to say we're a place that that. We could house you, and you could have a big impact here. You would be a big pit fish in a smaller pond, sort of thing. I saw a headline uh, recently from the Boston Globe that said even in Boston, Amazon would have difficulty filling fifty thousand tech jobs. Absolutely. But people, when you yes, read the RFP, absolutely. they're not saying day one fifty thousand jobs better have them lined up. It's over a period of maybe a couple of decades that they would scale scale up. But they do. I mean, something that someone recently pointed out to me: they want to have. I believe it was 500,000 square feet of office space in use in 2019. And they're making this decision in 2018. So this is <laughs> kind of moving very quickly in some sense. Um, but yes, no one has the 50,000 people uh, of the caliber that they would need just lying around. So, And in Seattle, we've seen Seattle has a very, had before Amazon, and as Amazon was smaller but growing, had obviously a core tech staff here um, from Microsoft and all the engineering from Boeing, for example. But part of what is so driven the growth of Amazon and the city has been attracting people from other places, um, from the East Coast, from the Bay Area and California, from Austin. They're kind of 
pulling people here and you have to assume that that is going to be part of how they grow somewhere else. So part of their calculation is where can we pull people to? And that might be a geographic difference. It might be, we have a very urban campus here um, in the city of Seattle where Amazon's working. And so do they want another one like that? Is, is that working for their employees or do they want something more suburban so they can attract a different type of, of um, employee? Or is that not what they want? I mean, it'll be, a, that'll be a big, big decision, I think. Um, and if you look at the RFP, they seem to kind of put this urban model first, but they say, but we'll also consider suburban campuses. <laughs> so um, it's <laughs> that's part of why everyone thinks they have a shot, because you can read it through your own rose-colored glasses that you have the, the kind of the perfect fit. Someone said, we know what their criteria are, but we just don't know how they weight it and what they're going to prioritize one over the next. I think, uh, I think whoever submits a bid should submit it so it looks like an Amazon product page with like St. Louis as your product, and then at the bottom, little thing, suggested items. You might also like... <laughs> and, uh, just really <laughs> right. pl- play you might also it. like Washington University and That's St. Right. Louis University, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. yeah. Add this to well, your one code. One of the like, sticks people are doing, the mayor of, I believe, I want to say Kansas City, was po- he, they bought a thousand items, and then in their reviews of the items they bought were pitching them in the context of That's awesome. Kansas City. You could use this megaphone because we have such nice suburban homes, you can buy a nice piece of property that sort of thing <laughs> oh i read one that was a review of fiber one cereal mm-hmm. but mayor james <laughs> no. made a reference to google fiber oh really That's <laughs> in the review yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what one of the things i think about those fifty thousand jobs is um, while they may not exist on day one whatever city they're going into i, I think about the adverse economic impact that if uh, amazon let's say it's a city like st louis amazon comes to town all the other companies that employ tech talent might experience a mass exodus of people leaving to go join the Amazon team, which would then put all of these other companies, much smaller companies, maybe not as uh, trendy or hip or cool as Amazon, uh, you know, in, in, in peril. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that we've seen in Seattle is oh, that I imagine that would happen initially, mm-hmm. but over time, it does help build it as a critical mass as a tech hub as sure. a place that where there is interesting work and over time kind of nets out more tech work but it's kind of what we've seen here it does i, I mean, certainly escalate the cost of hiring and the cost of recruiting and all of that but um it's like seattle has in part because of the work amazon did for example in cloud computing now there's a ton of different cloud computing related startups and larger companies working here like oracle now is building a big uh cloud team up mm-hmm. in seattle um where Whereas, like, they might not have done that here had Amazon not had that cloud talent here already. Um, it'd also be interesting to see how Amazon divides up their business, what goes where. Um, they're kind of saying that some level of some level of managers will get a pick where their team will be based. Um, but you have to imagine there's going to be some strategy about which teams go go where, and that could affect where they end. You know, maybe if core retail is going to be carved out, well, like. That makes Minneapolis attractive, where Target and Best Buy are, for example. Is grocery going to be a major thing? That then Whole Foods was based in Austin. Austin could be, you know, more appealing then. But um, there's so many different parts of the company, and it has such such ambitions that it could go, it could cut many different ways, and the talent it could want and attract would could really depend on what ends up where. And to Travis's point, I think that. Uh people who may have overlooked or not thought of St. Louis in the past and they look at Amazon jobs and and they think, well, I wonder what else might be in St. Louis. And they'll discover that 
Oh, Panera's here. Bayer Monsanto is here. Express Scripts is here. Wow, maybe I'll look at these uh, these jobs at these other companies that I didn't realize were sure. in St. Louis. I was speaking, I interviewed uh, Washington Mayor uh, Jay Inslee this week, and he was talking about how they've seen a lot of movement between different types of engineering jobs. So someone who maybe worked as an aerospace engineer one one year is at a biotech company the next year. So you do see that kind of movement. And, and um, uh, that definitely makes sense. You imagine uh, families where one one member, you know, one part of a couple works at one place and the other person works somewhere else. So, you know, it's... It definitely, I think, does ultimately build a, a network effect if you can build it. I was in Reno, um, where the Tesla Gigafactory is going up, and I spoke with a startup um, founder who was coming from the Midwest, and he picked Reno solely, beca- essentially, because of the Tesla Gigafactories. Like Elon Musk must, must know something, and I know that the Gigafactory is in manufacturing, and I'm doing something related to cloud computing. But he must see something here, and he's, like, loving life in Reno. So, um, (laughs) and that was solely on his radar because of the decision Hmm. Elon Musk made. Uh, Karen, uh, since you've been taking a look at all of these cities and some of the plans across the country, St. Louis is offering the North Riverfront directly next to the Gateway Arch and also the Illinois Bank of the River looking at the downtown skyline and the Gateway Arch in St. Louis and also a 44-story skyscraper in the middle of the Central Business District at AT AT&T just vacated. How does that compare to what some other cities site-wise, and and you mentioned Amazon wants some space right off the bat, and St. Louis has this 44-story skyscraper. How does that compare to some of the other offers out there? Yeah, I mean, that seems kind of similar or kind of competitive to the types of downtown uh, proposals people are making, where you have some kind of signature property, there's developable space, but also um, kind of uh, kind of premier space where they could, could grow. I mean, I'm looking out of my window in Seattle, and I see all these cranes, and many of the cranes in the Seattle skyline right now are because of Amazon. They're, they're towers that they initially rented and least, and then now they're building their own towers as well. So you really need a lot of space to grow. But there's a whole other set of proposals people are putting out that are um, that are much more suburban in nature, more office park-y, where they could develop their own community. I think a trick will be Amazon has clearly said they want transit as part of their vision. And so one question would be, if you have a more suburban campus, how do you support a, a um, transit-related or transit-focused mode? Because uh, it, that's definitely something they call out at multiple points in their proposal. But you could very much imagine, you know, and I spoke, for example, with the city of Vallejo, which is in the North San Francisco Bay Area. It's an hour ferry ride north of, of San Francisco. And they're offering Amazon an island. They have an undeveloped island or a, a developable island there. And they're like, who else can offer Amazon an island? It's amazing. We could have ferry <laughs> services, public transit directly to their campus. Hmm. So, um, and, and the, the last thing I'll say is a lot of the proposals are not public yet. Places are saying, why would I broadcast what I'm doing to my competitors? You know, this, we're keeping this as secret as possible. A lot of places have also signed non-disclosure agreements with Amazon. And um, that's part of why some places have been more quiet. Um, although I'm sure local reporters everywhere should be getting out their public <laughs> records requests and asking to see what is being offered, including tax subsidies. <laughs> so, Karen, uh, before we wrap up your gut, where is Amazon HQ2 going to land? I can't. I can't. We <laughs> Some people were doing an informal poll pool in the office and I said I've got to I've got to uh, um, pull out of this one I mean it's it's really hard to say in part because they are a black box and so far Mm -hmm. in our reporting we have not gotten little tips I I do think um, 
it's more likely to be in a place that has the intellectual, um, the, the, has the kind of high level workforce that they're looking for. I think some places that are pitching as kind of a back office where we'll do your accounting and whatever, I don't think that will be the best will be the best fit for what they've been talking about. It seems like they really do want to have kind of core business growing and develop and core tech developing somewhere. So I think it's more likely to be the places that have kind of strong universities, strong tech talent and things, things like that. Well, homework assignments are due on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how the grades shake out. Karen Weiss from the Bloomberg News Seattle Bureau. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, helping us sort this out. Sure, you got it. And thank you for joining us this week on Nothing Impossible. We'll be back next week. Take care. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.